0: Welcome to Behind the Tools. Here's Tradeify CEO and your host, Michael Steckler.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Tools. Um, great guest this week, Alex Ingsley from Unilite, in uh, also forward slash trade legends, which many of you may well have listened to, uh, which is a podcast which we'll get onto. to. But uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Great to have you.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: Um, yeah, appreciate you spending the time. Do you maybe want to start with uh, explaining, for those that aren't familiar with Unilight, what the, the business is and how you started?
0: Uh, so, yeah, Uni- Unilight. Uh, mother and father started the business in 1981. And it was sort of like what we do now is completely different to sort of what we did back then. And we sort of, we mainly targeted sort of leisure market. We did like halogen lamps, loads of sort of tungsten bulb sort of type products, and um, and over the years, we've sort of progressed into obviously where we are now, 41 years later, and we are primarily portable lighting now for the industry professional. So any types of trades, you know, whether you're a network rail engineer or uh, an electrician, plumber, builder, you know, we, we basically are putting lights or now I should say tools into people's hands that, you know, any, anybody trade related. So we've completely changed where the business right. focus is.
1: And when, what what prompted that was there? What was the moment in time when you decided as a company, hey, we should we should move away from you know residential to you know trades? Uh,
0: well, I, I I probably joined the the business twelve years ago, and it was probably within about two years of being with the company, and I, I sort of realised that you know the the way that, that we were headed, it was sort of we didn't really have a brand, we didn't really have a message, and I kept on seeing this is how. Sad it was was I kept seeing hive's vests on the back of parcel shelves in in people's yeah. cars while I was driving along and I thought to myself i thought I keep seeing that color and originally when hivey's work work came out nobody wanted to wear it because I felt a bit of an idiot walking around in these yeah. these vests you know it was a bit like hello look at me you know um but I just kept seeing that color everywhere and I thought hold on a minute nobody's nobody's doing anything like this with the the Hy-Vee's yellow why don't we change the brand to incorporate that and weirdly we sort of stumbled across something where people were like well actually i can see the product um it's easier to sort of find in amongst all the other tools because right. most most people make stuff and it's black or it's green or it's red you know and they they found that they just gravitated towards the colors and the brand and it gave us our own identity we were doing different products in different colors and you know we weren't really targeting one specific market but just by changing that one step the color we almost we didn't pigeonhole ourselves but we sort of just fell into the industrial market and that's how that was sort of born
1: just was, for that past- a tough, was that was that tough sell to the to, to your parents when you decided that you should move in that direction or did did everyone sort of get on board easily uh i'll, I'll
0: be honest with you like my my parents got divorced when i was i was probably
1: 8 years old
0: so my mum left the business when around about when I was eight, and my father actually moved to Australia when I was sixteen. Um, so it was my sister that was primarily running the business at the time. My father still had a hand yeah. in the business, yeah. um, but my sister uh, and my father were both sort of like, why don't we make the products black with little bits of yellow on the on the product? And I was sort of yeah. like, well, you can't you can't just dip your toe half in. And we actually took the products as a tester to an exhibition down the road in Coventry. And um, we, we were trying to get feedback on the stuff and the yellow one just picked it. So in the end, it was decided that we go yellow with bits of black and actually it's the best thing that we've ever done because you know, people watch a TV program and I get messages on social saying, oh, I've seen your head torch on this rail program, or I've seen your head torch on a oh, wow, London, yeah. London sewage program and stuff like that. And it's easily identifiable that that product is us. So You know, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional that that would become synonymous with the brand, Yeah, but now it's sort of, you know, the more yellow we can put on a product, the more it seems to, you know, work for us, you know, in a weird way.
1: Yeah. It's really cool. And then the business really took off even more so from there, from that moment when you started to sort of get galvanized around trades. we,
0: We just didn't have an identity, but that color obviously is synonymous with, you know, working people. With construction, yeah. obviously it varies different countries. I think in Australia, for example, it's orange with bits of yellow. But there, you know, most people can identify that that is a construction type color. You know, if you were to ask anybody in the street, oh, they'd say, "Oh, it's a hibis vest color." Yeah.
1: um yeah.
0: And weirdly, that sort of gave us that connection to industry, to trades, and it became sort of that colors. You know, it's it's uh, familiar to everybody.
1: Yeah. And that's, it gave us that familiarization. Yeah. Yeah. And and do you think that drove, what else drove the success once you, once you sort of moved in that direction? Was there anything you did, especially to build that reputation amongst trades? Uh, Social media. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, if anybody actually said to me, what is the one
0: specific thing that you can pinpoint where you, you really sort of turn the, the corner with the business? And that was social media. Like, we're very lucky here. We had a, a company just down round the round the corner from us called Gymshark.
1: Shark. Oh, I was about um, to say. I was just about to say you, you remind me a lot of Gymshark, but you've yeah. uh, for good reason. Yeah, I thought they might be close to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So he, he he was literally just down the down the road, Ben. Um, and a lot of people when they say, "Oh, who inspires you?" or whatever, you know, it's normally Richard Branson or Alan Sugar, you know, older people. But this guy was nineteen, started yeah. something from his bedroom, had a little sewing machine. And I just sort of looked at what he'd done by sending products to people whose accounts he just he just liked their account, and weirdly he stumbled across that sort of influencer model. Um, and I, I never had it in my head that like you know I was going to use influencers or um, try and right. promote product that way. But these people, and some people only had like five thousand followers. I just love their their content, and weirdly some of these people that have had five thousand followers now have hundred and fifty thousand followers. Right, But we've been yeah. with them across that whole journey and supported those those people. And weirdly, people are like, why haven't I ever seen these products? And it just sort of, it took us to a much wider audience. We went from having uh, distributors in probably six or seven countries to around about 50 countries
1: now. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so quite, that's huge.
0: And if I can pinpoint, obviously, that growth, we were picking up especially in the uh, automotive sort of car detailing marketplace, we were picking up distributors from countries like Latvia, Estonia, uh, Hungary, uh, Serbia, you know, like Malta, countries where normally we'd never really get a foothold in because some of them aren't highly industrial places. You know, there isn't much industry there. Um, But we we were finding that social media just, it just kept coming for us.
1: And was that people that were when you were sort of finding those influencers? Were they all all UK based, or you just going by sort of volume and the type of work they did?
0: No, I I mean a lot of people say, oh, you obviously just look at the amount of followers that somebody's got, and it it, it genuinely, when I started sending products to people, it was it was just accounts of people whose content I liked, people that I actually found interest. Like it didn't, you know, some people had like a thousand followers, but I just loved their their accounts, and weirdly. I don't know whether i you know, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I must've been a good judge because some of these accounts just went like that, but I just found I could watch these people and and found them interesting. And then as they grew, you know, it it sort of, it didn't just happen overnight. We, we grew as well because people were seeing our products being used by these people. And I sort of, I didn't put the connection together initially. And then as it sort of went like that, i sort of soon realized actually i've stumbled across something here which i didn't really intend to a bit like the the high color you know a lot yeah. of this is people go oh it's it's strategically planned this is what i wanted to do and i executed perfectly you know i'll be perfectly honest with you It just it just sort of happened by accident probably
1: well, I think you've probably identified a, a thing that's missing or is obviously aligned to a certain industry. But yeah, sometimes there's an element of time, timing with these things. And I think the social media thing is interesting because you have a very, I mean, I, I sort of looked at it. And I think the way you've approached, we'll, we'll get onto trade legends, but even with you the Unilite, you, do you have a full-time team doing that stuff? I mean, some of the content you produce is really cool. I was looking at you had the Dua Lipa song with someone wiping a, wiping a light. Um, caught my attention. There's a few things like that. How much time is that? Is that a team now doing that? How did you approach that initially?
0: Uh, well, the, the first sort of thing that happened with us was uh, about two years ago. I decided that we'd do a bit of a direct to consumer type thing, um, looking at brands like Nike, Dyson, uh, Adidas, you know, especially with Yeezy, with uh, the shoes and stuff like that. Yeah. And a lot of these companies were doing direct to consumer. Now, primarily our business is, is B2B. So it's through distribution, but we were finding that there's still some people in certain countries that couldn't order product from us because we didn't have a distributor. So we started with the the direct to consumer type stuff and just sort of we sort of grew grew from there. And we were just uh you know trying to push push people through on on, on direct to consumer and then that blew up and social media combined with that. So everything just everything came together yeah. at, at one specific point. So uh, yeah. Yeah, go on. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no. So it's it's really it's really it's really cool that happened. And did you just did you know about that stuff? Did you just set up a Shopify account or something? And how did you approach that?
0: Uh, we 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 hired a, an outside agency, and right, what ended okay. up and what. But they, okay. I'll be honest with you, they didn't tell me any of this. I just sort of I was picking stuff up from listening to Ben Francis and his YouTube videos. But the marketing yeah. agency, ironically, I soon found that they didn't quite grasp the brand. When you outsource that type of stuff, these companies, yeah, the they trouble. they don't understand what you're trying to achieve or who you're trying to target. Because I'll be perfectly honest with you, none of them are tradespeople. No, so, no. so, what, so what ended up happening was over time, I started pulling back from there. And I, I soon realized again, because I watched Ben Francis's videos, and he said, we ended up setting a team up within the business. So I looked at a few of the people that work for the agency. And Nathan, who's our head of digital, used to work for them. Right. And he he decided at one point, he was like, look, I'm going. I've had enough of the agency. I'm leaving. I had a conversation with him and said, which bits of our work do you do? And he probably did 90% of the stuff for us. Right. Yeah. So I sort of I I kept on saying to him, don't go freelance, don't go free. He went freelance for about four months. He was living up in Leeds and then convinced him to come down. Um, but the other guys in the team, Jack, I picked him up because I thought, well, we need a videographer. You know we're primarily we've got a great photographer called chris who takes some real high-end shots for us like he he does some like you know i look at his work it's unbelievable but i wanted to bring people in house and the videographer jack turned up and you know we started putting more content out and shorter instagram videos that sort of worked really well so i brought another guy in called gonzalo and then eventually social media got that big because it was me running the platforms yeah. I've had to I've had to bring Charlotte in now to help us. And she's the one who's doing those sort of TikTok style videos.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen. Yeah.
0: Um, so she's younger than me, so she gets TikTok. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm almost 40 now. So I look at TikTok and I'm just like, oh, it's terrible. But she's she's much <laughs> that's, better. That's, so
1: that's when you that's when you know you've gone past the a trend Mr. have yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But she yeah. To, to be to be fair to all of those those guys, they're all younger than me. And I yeah. think that's, you know, social media, it changes so quick. It is a younger, like a, you know, not being ageist here, but it is a younger person's game. And I did, I did well at the time with what I did. But obviously it's time to pass the baton over to somebody else and, and, and leave them to it. But I'd always advise if any, yeah. any, co- any companies are listening to bring stuff in house. So, so many large companies that still have marketing agencies that are still, still telling them to, do adverts on tv or put stuff into a newspaper or print media and all that stuff is dead it's just social media and that is it i can't stress that to people enough
1: yeah it's really interesting as well that you've taken that approach of uh i I don't know if it's about age but it's about people that are native on those tools right they they live and breathe them i think whenever i've looked for social media people the first thing i've done is looked at their profile right and to see like do they post a lot are they active are they using tiktok do they do this stuff do they get it um, mm. And I agree. The problem with outsourcing, it can be useful. I think at a moment in a company's gestation when you can't afford maybe to have people in house. But you're right; they miss that. What's the company really about? What's the tone of voice? Mm. What's the end customer really? Understanding the end customer is really really yeah. key. Um, I mean, so, yeah, if, that's uh, it's really key. Cool yeah. I mean, if I if I look at it, obviously, when
0: I went through with the agency, because a lot of people say to me, "How much do you pay for your website?" It's fifty thousand pounds for my website. And that's like, you know, if I was to say that to some people and they're paying 20,000 pounds for the website, they're like, Whoa. and that's why I said to myself, hold on a minute. If I can have somebody in house that's doing that over two, three years, I could just keep changing my website as much as I want.
1: Yeah. you see what you like with it. Yeah. And it's, and Otherwise it's not to it's, it's out of date. Yeah. 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 And
0: uh, who wants to pay 50,000 pounds every few years to, to change stuff because technology is moving. It's the same with a yeah. videographer. If you hire a videographer and the cameras and the equipment for the day, it could end up costing you between three to five thousand pounds each time. So if you do that four or five times a year, you might as well just bring
1: somebody in house. All, all the equipment and get somebody to use it and knows what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Completely. Yeah. And then when you think about, you know, that was sort of building the brand and the reputation and growing the business. How did you think yeah. about product innovation? What where did you get your cues for what products to build and how to approach that? And social media. I, I, I,
0: you know, if you speak to somebody like PB, uh, he'll tell you I'm sort of like the the Jose Mourinho of of sort of social media. I've got stats on people. I've got like, you know, a whole database yeah. on on stuff that people have done or their work or the things that they promote, and I'm permanently watching videos of them working and looking and thinking, hold on a minute, I've seen twenty people do that same job. They're all using. A light like this but they're struggling to to do that or i can see that they're removing a boiler casing and doing this and then you know the light couldn't stay there so i need to find i need to put a hook right. so it can hang somewhere um i'm obsessive with stuff like that yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. it's that those types of things that like you know a little tiny detail that i could change that's made a product 50 times more popular i, I bring stuff out sometimes and it doesn't quite work and then i watch again and i go ah, uh, that's what I should have done. And then on version two, we changed something, and all of a sudden it's...
1: It catches, yeah, it catches. Yeah, the...
0: yeah. So, but I wouldn't have been able to do any of that sort of side of things or have more time to do that if I hadn't have brought these other people in to help me with the digital side of the business, because that takes up. Like, people see a 10-second TikTok, and they don't realise sometimes that that 10-second TikTok can take two days to clap.
1: Well, that's why I asked the question about, you know, people in house, because I looked at you, yeah. you know, I look at your feed and I think, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. You're pretty A, you're active, B, there's a lot of content, mm-hmm. it's regularly updated and that, that does take time. I think people underestimate, it's not just taking a video yourself and sticking it out there. Yeah. Eh? I mean, that's part of it, but there's there's a lot more to it. Um yeah. and it's also it's good advice to trades companies in general, right? Which is you start off small, you know, as you start to scale, you can see the growth opportunity. That's when you mm-hmm. invest in people that can do the bits that you either don't have time to do or aren't very good at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good it's good advice for anyone. And then you met, you know, P B Plumber, was he one of the people that you sort of engaged with early on? He was the first,
0: he was probably the first person that I sent products to, Pete. Oh really? Oh interesting. Um, yeah, he, he was he was either the first one or one of the, the first three that I sent products to. He just said he just said to me, he said, he said, I'm not a fan of like stuff that's heavily plastic, which right. obviously to, to produce a product. It's, it's cheaper to produce them if they're plastic. Obviously, you know, right. they've still got to withstand stuff, but they're cheaper to produce. And at the time it was sort of, I was very much of the mindset of, I didn't want to be the most expensive, but I didn't want to be the cheapest. So I was trying to get that medium with materials because, right. you know, w- we bought that light out of the, the, sp- the specific work light that we still sell actually. Um, and at the time it was expensive for what it was. It wasn't the most expensive, but it was expensive. And I still remember people going, oh, I'm not going to pay that. I'm not going to pay that. And, you know, four or five years later, it's one of our best-selling items now. Yeah. And pe- people don't really look at the price because others have started doing similar stuff. Uh, but Pete was just like, sorry, Al. He says, I've got to be honest with you. It's just not my thing. And then I sent him. I thought, right, okay, I'm, I'm not going to take that from you. And I designed some new hexagonal sort of... Uh, Work lights that were aluminium die cast aluminium. Right. I sent sent those to him, and he went, and he ended up just all the other products that he was using. He just he just said, I, I don't use any of them anymore, and that's how that relationship sort of built. But Pete was, I probably appreciated Pete's feedback because actually he encouraged me to think. Well, it's not always about trying to find that happy medium for the customer, right? And and after that point, I was just like, even if it costs more. I'm going to do it. Whereas before I used to think like, oh, I've got to pay for an extra mold to put a logo on a switch or I've got to do this or to put a little logo on a headband clip. And then all of a sudden I thought the same thing with packaging, we changed all the packaging. So the packaging now is like an iPhone box. Yeah, Cause I wanted yeah. somebody when they, when they get the product to look at the box and think, but well, how yeah, the box has even feels expensive. Then they open the box and it looks expensive inside. You know they take the product out. It feels expensive, and then when they're using it, they're they're like, "Wow, look at this! What have I been doing?"
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's an important point. Um, So you you sort of took his feedback, and then you know you built the team out from that. You've grown the team a lot, I presume, in the last few years. How did you approach hiring? A lot of trade companies (laughs) struggle to hire. How did you How did you approach that?
0: Uh, We we got a mantra in here, which sounds it sounds pretty harsh when you say it out loud, because I was thinking about that earlier. But it's uh, hire slow and fire fast and that's sort of in in here we you know people talk about culture and i used to hate that word because it's so like it's such business speak on linkedin like oh yeah we've got an amazing culture it's all about the culture in here but we just we find normal people it's not always to me about your cv where you've worked like how much experience you've got are you going to fit within our business And I'll be perfectly honest with you. Ninety-five percent of the people that come through that door are never going to fit within our company, and it's basically because it's a bit like an Elon Musk Twitter. Is there's freedom to sort of say and do whatever you want? As obviously, as long as you're not sort of racist, misogynistic, or like homophobic or anything like that, you everybody here has the same voice. And there's not many people. There's some people that like to shout louder than others, and when they come in, you have to weed those people out because they can just wow. drown out. They can drown out other people that potentially yeah. have really good qualities. I'm quite extrovert, but actually, you put me on a ca- on a camera sometimes, I go quite introvert. And the same with some of the people out there; they're very introvert, and it's trying to extract that from them. And you know, you just you just sit there in in interviews and you think you're going to get eaten alive in there or you're not, you know, you're not the right fit. And everybody says, Oh, do you even read CVs? And I just, I literally go, no, done. Like I, I can, yeah. I can analyze a CV within about 30 seconds of whether that person's going to fit. It doesn't work all the time, but no, we've got, no, we've got course. it to a point now where I'd say 90% of the time when we're hiring, people, especially the last few years, it's taken a long time to get to that, that point. A lot of the time as well. Now I don't just do the interview, and we'll take other people from the team in to get their thoughts on it. Yeah. Which before, as a, as, a, as a manager, you know, and I'm sort of trying to learn my role here. I never used to think, well, maybe I should take other people in from the team that's actually going to be working with them. So even something as, you know, it's so how do I how do I describe that glaring is taking somebody in from your team to actually interview somebody out. You know, never thought of that. And that's been the last yeah. three to three to four years, actually thinking, well, hold on a minute, they're gonna be working with them all the time. Let's take them in. So yeah.
1: Cool. Great. And then sort of moving away from Unilite for a sec, trade legends. how did that how did that come about? So um I'm sure many people listen to this probably listen to it. Um I think more people probably listen to Trade Legends than, than this at the moment. Um but how do you uh what made you what made you do that? What was the idea behind that? Uh
0: again. Uh, I, I listened to. There's a guy called Steve Bartlett. That there's a, yeah. uh, a podcast called Diary of a CEO. Um, and again, he had Ben Francis on. That's how I found his podcast. Yeah. But I just probably about four years ago, I got when we have a. There's a guy who comes in here called uh, Townsend Interiors, and he's a carpenter. He does all like the cabinets and everything in here. And I don't know why. I just said to him, I was like, I "Don't." I wouldn't mind doing a podcast. I said, "Would you be able to do, design something?" He said, "Yeah, I'll design it for you." And he did some drawings and that sort of sat in my phone for probably three years. And then COVID hit and I was in my back garden. Obviously, nobody was able to go anywhere. And I had yeah. these beers from a beer company and they're based just in, in Warwickshire. And I'm drinking these beers. I, said, oh, I really like these beers. And I looked at the label. And I thought, hold on a minute. The guy who did my wedding suit, he gave me a number to produce beers because I said I wouldn't mind getting some done for Unilite um and it was the same company so i ended up ringing, right. this, ringing this company. ringing this cup beer this is going to sound really weird ended up ringing this company i went and made some beers and i thought now's the time to start the podcast because i can have people on and we can drink our own beers on the podcast and just sit down and have a chat so we started making these beers and then you know we were running out of space in here because we were hiring loads of people through the pandemic because we were growing so fast and we just decided well, we're going to expand the office, and the sis was going. Well, if we expand the office, you know, what do you want to put in this room here? Do you want it as a media room? I said, I want to put a podcast set in there. Well, obviously, she said to me, "What? What you're talking about?" Um, ended up spending twenty thousand pounds on a podcast set. Uh, thinking, am I doing the right thing here? But we'd produce these beers as well, and I was thinking, well, hold on a minute, I've produced these beers now. I need to, I need to drink them, and I'm not going to be able to drink them by myself. <laughs> On the um,
1: podcast, to drink the beers that you'd ordered. Okay, yeah. I get it. So, uh, yeah, we, weirdly, and
0: then we built we built the set, and it was just. I, I said to Peter, "I said, look, if I talk to people from trades, I don't really know the ins and outs of being a tradesperson. It's not what I do. I supply you guys, but from a business perspective, I get it." So yeah. I just said to him, "I said, look, I'm, I'm going to need somebody to to co-host it with," and he was a bit like, mm, not too sure." Podcast. And I told him the name as well. And he said, Why have you called it Trade Legends? He was really angry. He was like, I don't want people thinking they're legends, you know, nobody's really a legend. We're all the same. He said, Why couldn't you have? I can't remember the name he came up with, but the the name he came up with was terrible. And I just said to him, I said, People that come on, they are legends in their own right. I said, Like, they, they go to work, they work hard, you know, people follow them on social. Why not call it that? And it was sort of born out of, out of like well, you're, you're right?
1: probably more likely to listen to a podcast as trade legends versus uh you know average yeah. trades or or something like that yeah
0: it just I just i wanted a name that it was easy to remember and that yeah. people people would see the logo and recognize the logo and they'd be like all oh, trade legends or if you watch that trade legends podcast it was just easy to to remember it's two words you know if you can't yeah. remember that then you know like diary of a ceo is it's quite long-winded. those yes. trade legends just always Same. try and keep yeah. stuff short. Yeah,
1: yeah. And have you? Is that has that helped your business? Do you think in terms of um, recognition, but also stuff? Have you do you learn stuff when you talk to the talk to tradespeople that you you have on?
0: I get to understand the things that that worry them, or the things that they they need, or you know, like, it, all of them always tell me there's not enough time. So when I'm making a product, in my head, I'm sitting there thinking, am I solving something where they think, God, using that product has made my job 2% easier? Because that 2% to them is money or extra time to do extra work. So little things like that and, you know, them talking about the price of materials and you get to understand from their perspective. You know, when you're a manufacturer, you're sort of making something, you're like, just buy it, just buy it. But actually, it's given me a bit more sort of insight compassion or understanding of how it is from the other side
1: yeah yeah
0: which is which is vitally important because if you as a manufacturer take the time to understand your customer you will always make better products and better decisions for them
1: yeah sure. i I think we have a similar approach I mean it's partly why I do this. you know my background wasn't in the trades, and so hmm. I think i I have the same perspective which is it reaffirms some things i i I sort of have a suspicion about or think that we should think about, but also it it often brings up things we haven't thought about, and you know we put that into our product roadmap and think about things yeah. differently so it's, yeah, it's really valuable and your audience presumably is is it pretty global uh it's it's going more global now
0: um obviously we're doing more sort of overseas uh yeah. interviews we've had uh matt addicted to tools we've had tammy uh tammy voss um and then we've had uh mechanical hub from the us we've actually got yeah. one on friday which is uh, a from diamondback tool belt um so we're trying to encompass everybody because actually you know the trade community in the uk is is pretty tight most people know everybody and yeah. most people realistically know maybe I don't know. Thirty percent of their audience is actually abroad a, a as well. So I'm trying to make it where I shrink that trade community, um, and hopefully, you know, people from the US will tune in because they'll think actually I quite I'd quite like to hear yeah. about that person or somebody from Australia will be like well, actually I'm I'm really interested in that person as well. And then vice versa, people from the UK think oh I've never I've never seen so much about that person. So it's trying to sort of you know open people up to
1: right. Right
0: to other experiences or other uh, areas and the challenges they face and stuff like that,
1: but did you have an ambition for it? did you have an ambition to either sell more products or was there a what was
0: apart from having to shift all the beer um, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: it was it was primarily for me it was more of a hobby. I'm just interested right. in in people I'm interested in people and listening to their stories like that. The thing is, again, with manufacturers, a lot of them when they get bigger, they lose sight of you know that that customer. Their their world is that little self-employed right. business that they've got. Yeah. You know, some people have very big businesses, like Charlie Mullins, the Pimlico Plumbers guy we had on. But some most people, they've got five or six people working for them, and that's. That's their world, but these big manufacturers forget about that. And for me, I I didn't want to ever lose sight of that. We've we've grown massively. But I just felt as well, obviously doing the podcast, it's more of a hobby. I get to listen to people, yeah. but actually I didn't want to lose sight of what we were as a business. So just just fancy giving it a go.
1: Yeah. Is it, and is it do you have do you have help on that in terms of the team? Is that distracting? Is it a lot of work getting guests and all that stuff?
0: I'll I'll be honest with you, I've created sort of about another 30 percent worth of work for myself and and primarily jack who was the videographer he was doing most bits for uni light he's pretty much full-time on trade legend with stuff at the moment um we're just trying to find the easiest way to work with stuff because we're still trying stuff we're still trying to find what works for us to help grow the the channel obviously once we get the the final recipe but the first year I said to these guys, I said, look, don't always think about the numbers. You've just got to find what works. But obviously to do that, it takes a lot of time and resources. Um, but I'm yes. in the position yeah. where obviously because I own another business, it doesn't really matter so much. There's not, you know, that pressure. Thinking, yes, well, actually, we need, we need to get the numbers straight away.
1: And this has to but, be X number of, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. But I, I always judge everything by the engagement. And the engagement and stuff is, is fantastic for us at the moment. So I just, uh, I say to these, I say sometimes you have to take a step back and think, well, you know, the follower counts steady, but it's the engagement that we get from people.
1: Yeah, and you've done a few things much like you have with Unite, like, right? To get that engagement, I presume things like Keep Me Up You Up Challenge and, you know, yeah. things like that within there, which I, think, I presume drives quite a lot of engagement and interest around it. What's yeah. the What's the record at the moment on that? Just to have interest?
0: I think it's about 50-something, which was a guy from oh. Jackhammer. Yeah,
1: I think it was about 50.
0: Something oh, it's like beatable.
1: that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get okay. get any training? <laughs> I did start. I will start some training next time I come up. I will. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will have to do that. It's going to be one of those yeah. things. I presume a lot of people go in the studio there and their nerves get them, and you know they're usually probably pretty good. And uh,
0: a, f- a few have. I mean, Pete. Pete's probably the funniest. He did one on season one, and he managed two on season two, and then he uh, he tried to be moan that he tripped over his own foot. And I was like, oh, Pete. <laughs> nobody can help you with that, mate. So yeah, he was. Uh, he was pretty pathetic, Pete was, at the keepy his. So hopefully he gets to three on season three. Season
1: three, oh. yeah, cool. Yeah. Great. Um, this has been fantastic. I mean, it's a really inspirational story. I think we don't often get to, we, you know, meet lots of people and social media seems to be the common thread, the people that get it. Yeah. Uh, really lean into that and, and get a lot of growth. So it's really cool you've done that. I think it's fascinating that you had Jim Shark round the corner. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I did actually think um, yeah. there's a lot of similarities. So that's really interesting that you, you sort of followed that that lead, which is which is cool. Mm. We always finish on a few questions. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna start with the, the the big one. You said you're not from the trades, but if you were in a trade, what would you uh, what would you pick?
0: I would probably have to say being a contractor, and the and the reason being is like a contractor seems to do a bit of everything i think if i was to just do one trade specifically like be an electrician or a plumber i'd probably get bored like i i like to experience different things whether that's like plastering or you know being doing plumbing stuff or i don't know even fitting windows i'd like to do a bit of everything so i think probably a contractor that oversees all this type of stuff would probably be the the one that I go into I think
1: good good fit for you and then when yeah. you look at tool brands i mean you without without saying you Unilite obviously are there are other tool brands you look at and go that you take a, a sort of influenced by or inspired by uh
0: yeah probably uh, Vera or Weera tools i don't know how you say it the german the german brand their their branding for these is, is like yeah. is really good and the and the product's good but even the likes yeah. of uh, Nipex we are i like i probably like the german stuff if i'm honest like hand tools yeah. hand tools is more my thing um yeah. but just probably them they they really yeah. work hard on the look of the product the packaging the exhibition stands like the t-shirts the stickers that they do and that's something that we do so i sort of see quite a lot of similarities with us and us and yeah. that
1: yeah cool and then um when you have lunch around there in Redditch, what's the what would be a your good treat?
0: I'm, I'm a salad guy. I'm going to sound really bland and boring, but I just I, I always eat. I pretty much if if Anna, my PA, goes out to get me food, I always eat the same same food pretty much every day. So just like a tuna salad or a chicken salad or something like that. I'm always just everyone's like it's the middle of winter and you're eating salad. <laughs> so if I don't, I, off,
1: Is there is there anything if you're going to go off piece that you would uh...
0: probably a pizza. Oh, pizza. A pizza Pizza's my guilty secret. You were like, salads
1: okay. are so boring, mate. I need some, give me something me No, else. I need something. I need <laughs> some material. <laughs> give me something else. Uh, cool. And then last question. I mean, you talk to a ton of people. So I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of your episodes. But is there anyone you think would be, make a great guest that we haven't maybe spoken to? Uh,
0: there's, there's loads. I mean, if, if if I had to choose somebody, the one person that I always watch on social media is Ryan Escuter. And that's basically, like, a lot of people, you either love him or or you hate him. He's like Marmite, but he's just, he's quite blunt. He's a typical Cockney, like, yeah, I'm up on the top of this building, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, sort of thing. And it's just fine. He's his content.
1: That wasn't I, a great accent, by the way.
0: Yeah, no, It's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm from Birmingham, so I can't do anybody else's accent. But he... Well, it wasn't bad, yeah, but go on. But he, uh, yeah, he's content. It's just... You, it's almost like watching a TV channel yeah. And you, can, and you can just sit there and you can watch his stories all day. And again, he's a contractor, so he's, he's showing different bits. So every trade can sort of look at it and, and pick up tips or go, Oh yeah, that's I've never seen something done like that before. Yeah. Um, so he's, his channel is good. Ryan Davis is a electrician, yeah. MJ Tiff, who's a plumber. And these are for different reasons. Obviously MJ Tiff, I like his YouTube rye davis i like his tiktok and his instagram um but probably ryan sq too if i had to you know nail my, my money to well, the yeah, match yeah cool, yeah.
1: great no good recommendation great well look, i know you're a very busy man uh running a successful podcast and a very successful business um really appreciate yeah. you spending the time really really interesting I mean, congrats on the success look forward to seeing where it goes in the next next few years and uh hopefully yeah, we hope you can catch him, catch him in person soon and look yeah I'll let you get back to it but appreciate it and everyone that's listening hope that was uh i think it was a really good podcast and if you've got any comments or reviews as always do let us know hit us up in the usual places and we will see you next time alex thanks again yeah thanks soon. mate yeah, appreciate it
0: and that brings us to the end of this episode behind the tools is brought to you by tradify job management software for your trade business if you enjoyed the podcast, let us know by leaving a review and be sure to tell your mates about it. Email tools at tradifyhq.com if you or someone you know would be keen to join the show as a guest.